<coughs> sorry to be a little late. Um, keep you waiting. Uh, there's not that many questions, so let's see how it goes. But we could also open it up to live live questions, um, and comments if that feels good. So I I haven't even had a chance to really look at them or put them in a particular order. So uh, mm, let's just see. Um. First one, a few weeks ago, an image came to me in which the other was me. Not in a sense that the image was me, as witnessed by me, interacting with another, but me interacting with another version of myself. In the image, I was standing on a landscape, vast and seemingly empty. I felt the soft caress of hands at my back, beckoning me to turn. When I turned round, around, I saw myself standing in front of me. There was still a self-sense and a sense of other, but also a jolt of recognition that this was me. The self I was beholding flickered in and out of being. Each time she appeared slightly different, as though seen through a different lens, or the way different people at different times might perceive me in, in daily life. The energy body felt very rooted during this image, yet at the same time, a shock of surprise ran through me like a bolt of electricity, followed by joy washing over me and a slight indecision as to how to proceed next. I could feel a narrowing in me, a leaning toward the imaginal me, wanting to hold on to her. What felt most soulful to me right then was to bow to the imaginal self and gently turn around. As I did so, I could feel her arm sliding around my back and waist and holding me in embrace. Tears came at this point, as well as an intense sense of well-being and homecoming. This is the first time I have interacted with an imaginal version of myself, and the surprise slightly interfered with my ability to practice with this image skillfully. Could you say something about this kind of image and pointers for practicing with it? Mm. Um, beautiful. So, um, I, th I think in a way, I, not to set up expectations, but I, I, I would expect at some point or other this kind of thing to happen. It maybe say it better in another way. In some way or another, working with images, and I think I said this uh, at some point, um, in some way or another, working with images, the self sense gets caught up in, uh, invited into, roped up in, included in the soul-making process. It gets included in, the, in, in what becomes imaginal. And so sometimes it can happen in this uh, sort of 
more indirect way where we're working with an object and I gave the example of looking looking at let's say this candle flame became marginal for me um, and as I'm enjoying that and lingering with it and feeling the resonances if I don't na narrow my attention too much to the object at some point I start to see oh hold on the image here includes myself I the self pole, the subjective pole, has become image as well as the candle. Um, and then I can explore, you know, I could lean my attention to exploring the, the, s the imaginal self that uh, is arising in relation to this can the, the candle. So that would be one way, ver very common. Um, another uh, possibility is that the image somehow, even if it doesn't feel like um, at the time that I'm working meditatively with it, it doesn't feel so much that uh, I'm not noticing so much of the self becoming imaginal, an imaginal self in relationship to it. R implicit in that element of infinite mirroring and echoing and duty and, 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 and th these kind of elements, there's already implication for self-sense and, 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 and the, the actual self-sense self view and image we, images we have of ourselves in our lives. So it's not necessarily right then, it's more subtle and it seeps out into the life, in, into the being and into the, into the sense of, of self we have in life. And then other times, something happens much more like what's, what's in this report, uh, something much more direct, where we really feel um, uh, or, or, or witness the self as image. And this can happen in, in all kinds of ways, but sometimes it is quite startling, uh, etc. But I in a way, I, I would expect, let's say, in time with imaginal and soul-making practice, I would expect... Um, the the sense of self as imaginal. Rem going back to the open opening in that ritual, and I was saying you may not have it may not have landed then. But I was saying you are image. What is it to know yourself as image? What is it to know yourself as angel? This is what I'm talking about. Something happens, and the self view, self ideation, self view, self sense, self image starts getting infected, infiltrated, caught up in, involved in um, the soul-making. And so what happens when we become imaginal is that very self-sense self starts to become imaginal with all the nodes. So we start to have eros for ourselves. We start uh, to love ourselves a whole different, uh, in a whole different way. We start to recognize our own dimensionality and our own divinity. W and of course, culturally, this doesn't fit at all. Um, in the wider culture, you know, to, to say that I sense my own divinity, mm, I mean, divinity on its, by, on its own is a problem, and then to say self, <laughs> you know, we get such limited and confused and confusing um, uh, indoctrination about the self in our culture, in our wider culture. On one hand, it's a very egoistic culture, of course, uh, that's very individualistic and, s and uh, uh, kind of caters to and supports a very superficial kind of thinking about the self. 
um, uh, kind of ego celebration, and uh, and on on the other we kind of get shamed uh, for that kind of thing. So we we get I didn't say that very well. Do you understand what I mean? We, we, you're, you're not supposed to be egoic, and yet it's an extremely egoic culture, and <laughs> you just get this mixed match. Same barren sexuality, or it's just confused and confusing. But at some point through imagine what we begin to sense ourselves as image, and and there's almost a, a, a re- we sense our own blessedness. We sense we have a reverence for ourselves. We sense this dimensionality. We sense I am more than uh, who I what I'm told I am, and that more is not just more width-wise in terms of I'm more because I could if I wanted to decide to be an airplane pilot or a brain surgeon or whatever, I'm more, no, I'm, I'm more not only horizontally, I'm more vertically, so to speak. And we start to really get a, a, a palpable and uh, a moving, like a deeply touching sense of, of, of our own divinity, our own, uh, that we are the face of, let's say, at least one angel. We, we are the representation, the emanation of angel in, in this life and maybe tasked with things, etc. All of this, neither real nor not real, this imaginal middle way. And so given the usual history we have, both personally, psychologically and culturally in terms of how we view the self, this is uh, oftentimes, I was talking with someone else recently, this was opening up to a whole other level, it's, it's utterly startling. It's a whole other, done a lot of work, this other person on self and been in the Dharma for a while where it's no self, no self, no self, self isn't important. And then uh, did a, a, a diamond heart approach where there's more emphasis on self and exploring the self and valuing the self and finding out who you are, etc. And then a whole other level with this, with the imaginal uh, and, and the divinity of the self and the sense even of um, angels looking at the self, recognizing, being seen as angels, seen by angel. If it's too rarefied, oh boy. <laughs> then the people around you are in for a rough time and probably, and probably you at some point in for a rough time. But if we can keep somewhere, somewhere, in that actually quite wide range of the um, wide boulevard of the imaginal middle way, then there's so much fertility, so much joy, so much healing here in, in terms of the sense of self and the sense of existence, sense of what I'm doing here, the sense also of life and death. So when I say I'm already dead, it's because I can sense myself as image and I sense that angelic uh, mirroring or function or emanation or whatever it is. Um, and that makes a difference to uh, to everything. Um, so there's this, in some way or another, uh, this is exactly the kind of thing, uh, this, this journey into the self becoming uh, recognized as image with all the, the reverence and the humility and the beauty and the eros. So it's how rare is it in our culture to really know how beautiful you are? That's why I say it to you. It's not, we don't really get it, or you say, you know, our concept of beauty is also just so thin. When it goes to a whole other level, uh, up levels, it's not, there's no end to it. 
Um, this, this is the kind of thing that, that can open up There's so much uh, ri- riches uh, outpouring from that. Um, so if we know that, um, if we know that to expect that, it might be a little less surprising and startling, and, and so a little, you know, that helps. In, uh, in some uh, spiritual traditions, so for example, in uh, at least the way Henri Corbin interprets some spiritual traditions, Ibn Arabi and people like that in the, in the Sufi and Islamic mystical traditions, they talk about the angel out ahead. And that angel out ahead is me. So I have, in, this, in that uh, metaphysic, I have a kind of angelic counterpart. You have an angelic counterpart. We each have an angelic counterpart. And that angelic counterpart is the face of God for us. But it's us. We are the face of God. So we, we expect to encounter that if we're practicing well and if we're lucky, etc. Et so there's all kinds of variations of, of this. Not to, um, oh, you know, then go to the sitting. Right, okay, <laughs> you know, let's make this happen. It, it'll just happen in its own time. If we, a lot about the soul-making work is a kind of um, finding out how it's being prevented, how its natural dynamic, it, the natural sort of expansion and fertilization and fermentation of the soul-making process um, is being prevented by certain idea, certain ideas or certain fixations or certain fixed views or certain images um, culturally or, th- or this or that or in terms of our you know, meditative capacity. But so a lot of the work is actually just recognizing, oh, that's a taboo in my, that's been a taboo in my mind, whatever it is, and, and recognizing that and maybe softening it or recognizing that I have a certain view that's getting in the way, or a certain um, philosophical view about, about reality, all kinds of things. Um, so it may, not, it may be less about m- making this happen, this kind of thing, and more about uh, just watching where I might, something might suggest itself, and I might, oh, I can't pos- possibly do that. Or, um, or some kind of ideation, like Catherine put the question out, what, what tell me an idea you have about sacredness, for instance, that prevents the opening to more sacredness. Um, but in terms of pointers for practicing with it, um, it, just the same, really, I suppose, bringing the energy body there, bringing the heart, um, sometimes asking, does it want anything, uh, in, in, you know, in a subtle way, e- everything that we've talked about um, with that. I'm not sure that there's anything more specific to add. It might um, it might have quite an impact this kind of thing because it's so you know you have to kind of pace all imaginable what you have to you know careful of the pacing. Um, it may be that you know you want to linger longer with it because because it's so rich or so touching. Um, so you want to take your time. It may be that you want to deliberately go back to this kind of image. So again, if we talk about, okay, if this something like this happens as a one-off, and it might be like, wow, that was, you know, either I couldn't quite get a handle, or it was, it was amazing. But it may not be that a one-off uh, experience is enough to really start changing the sense of self as it walks down 
Newton Abbott High Street or interacts in a difficult situation or, or whatever it is. It may be that dipping, it dipping in and out and being with, uh, okay, let's say I, I, I work with an image like that and then I want uh, maybe to linger also in the post-meditative state. I walk into the garden. How does the world look when I've just encountered that kind of divinity, self as divinity? How, uh, what's my sense of my existence, but also existence? You let it kind of, uh, y you get a feel for how it spreads out and infects and involves e everything else. Um, that's one of the ways these images start to have uh, really, really seep down into the psyche and ha life, lives. Um, it's not necessarily in the intensity of some moments of meditation, beautiful as that can be. It might be more in the in these moments. Of I, I had it before in the meditation. Now I'm just sitting waiting for my tea to brew or whatever it is. And and maybe I can just bring the memory of it back. And again, energy, body, and linger, and just notice, well, how do I feel? How do things look with the, with the tincture, with the, uh, mm, the, 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 the almost homeopathic drops of, 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 that, of, that, of that image com coming in again and again? The, the self-sense, of course, is one of the most entrenched things. It's why, why the Buddha and so many Buddhists give so much attention to this, the problem of self. So it takes, it's, it ta you know, the more we shift it in imaginal practice, this way, that way, shift it, sit with it, see what it's the effects of that view are, come back to another view uh, of self, etc. The more we do that, the more malleable and open the whole se sense of self becomes. And something like this, where we're really um, in a very humble way and, and touch way, recognizing deeply the holiness and beauty and divinity and angelic nature and function of our own selves, um, that's quite a shift, as I said, from the usual view. And so re repeating it, you know, again and again. It's not something you need to grasp out or try and hang on to 24 hours, 24 seven. No, it can, it can come and go and it starts to have its effect. Does this, yeah? Is there any, any more with that? Is that okay? Yeah. Very beautiful and exactly the kind of thing I, I would expect and incredibly important. Incredibly important. <coughs> Something is unclear to me about the possibility of the self becoming imaginal in relation to an imaginal other and how it fits with the 28 nodes. For example, this morning I encountered an imaginal other person, but I was a bird of prey. My energy body was the bird's body, as well as my experience of the other, etc. Should I have also retained a sense of my human self relating to both the bird and the imaginal person? It feels like that would have been a rather different image. Um, I think I understand. So. You know, with a lot of these things, I don't think there's a right or wrong. And one of the general things I, I would want to say, and I, I've sort of said it at other times or other talks or whatever, um, maybe other retreats. Um, if I think back to uh, when I first started playing with all this stuff and exploring it and trying to make sense of it all, 
Um, the kind of images I had were quite different from the kind of images I, I have now. And they were kind of long sagas with casts of thousands and very complicated plots and, and, and stuff like that and all kinds of things going on. Um, now I kind of feel like uh, it's much more, what's the word, uh, condensed. Cr uh, the, the, the what's important is what appears is what's important and the extraneous stuff uh, ha has fallen away. It's less complicated. But I, I wouldn't necessarily at all go back to that self whenever it was, four or five years ago, whatever, and, and six years, whatever, and say, um, you know, uh, that's wrong or something. I, I had to, and I really had to work on the trust. Like, uh, so so often, every time there's an image, there's like, am I doing this right? This can't be right. Surely not that kind of image. Or maybe this is to this or to that. So yes, we talk, some of you were in the, uh, the explanation about the elements. Yes, we talk about, okay, what do, what do we mean when we say fully imaginal? And can we kind of support it there? But you also want to kind of trust what comes up. So less less about right or wrong. And and sometimes you just have to kind of go with what is and trust that as you attune to what's appearing and work with it as best you can and incorporate the teachings, the whole practice will, will evolve. So uh, that's a general point. It's not necessarily pertaining just to this note, but um, there is something about just just diving in and trusting and not trusting the mind that says, nah, this probably isn't right. I'll wait for something better. I actually expect that thought to come up uh, most times. I expo expect the other is, okay, thank you. <laughs> and I just get on with it. Okay? So uh, encouragement to trust, and even if we're talking and saying, actually, to be fully imagined is more like this, not so much like this. Don't, don't worry so much. You know, just dive in, get wet, get your feet dirty, get your hands dirty, play with it. Um, be touched. Sometimes you'll feel like, oh, you did a session. It was like, well, I don't know. Was that worth it or not? It's fine. It's you're, you're exercising a lot of qualities just by engaging and working and trying to tune and paying attention. Y you understand? So, so trust. Trust your process. Um, in this question, should I, also, should I have also retained a sense of the human self? Because she had become this bird, this bird of prey. Um, as well as some other imaginal figure, uh, relating to both the bird and the imaginal person. They're both options. In other words, you could, be, you could let yourself be completely that bird of prey in relation to the imaginal other. Actually, you won't ever be completely the bird of prey. There'll always be some kind of sense of, I know that I'm me as a meditator sitting here. Witness. I'm not like, oh, goodness. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like uh, in Kafka's Metamorphosis or something. <laughs> it's not. It's like, what am I going to do now? Um, and w will they serve me worms and bird food? At, at <laughs> um, it's not. You know, don't worry about that. Just there's always going to be some degree of 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 the meditator witness watching. But uh, the options, you know, you have the, so they have the option of just going fully into the self becomes that bird. And and then you can trust that in the infinite echoing of, of things, it will have it will spill over into one's life in time, in its implications. It will have multiple me meaningfulness 
meaningfulness and multiple meanings in relation to one's life and all that. So that's op- that's one option. Another option is, yeah, to take this seat more consciously and watch the two of them. So it's a double image and they're interacting. And it's not right or wrong, they're just both options. Yeah. Uh, this looks like the same person, so I'm gonna skip that for now. Um, in the artistic story of the seven stories, beauty as a way to draw souls to new vistas is mentioned. I presume this beauty could include grief, fervor, depiction of harsh realities such as in war, etc., thinking of artworks of the past. As a sister of justice and truth, quote, could art also inspire souls to action? Many thanks to you both. Um, uh, so can art also inspire souls to action? Absolutely, yeah, de- definitely. And um, I think there's more than one question there, but let's just linger for a sec. Um, yes, there is. So, uh, uh, it's funny. I mean, again, I'll give my opinions as as an artist, but they're just my opinions. So, you know, it's me with the mic on right now. But um, uh, I feel that's one of art's functions, absolutely. But it doesn't need always to be so obvious or deliberate. So, for I, I listen to a lot of music that has no lyrics to it, no nothing. There's no programmed. It's just abstract music or abstract art. You think about a Rothko or a, uh, I don't know, de Kooning or, or, or whatever. It's like it's just abstract art. To me, if the art is deep and if my engagement with it is deep and it's touching me deeply, it makes me want to live differently. It m- it does something t- to my sense of values. It does something to my sense of self and what I want to manifest in the world and what's important. It heightens my sensitivity, it heightens, it opens my heart and my care. There's nothing in a Rothko, what, it's got three slabs of color. How is it that that does something to my sense of caring for humanity? What's going on there? It's part, to me, it's part of the mystery of art. And then of course you get art that's much more programmatic or deliberately depicting something that's clearly trying to inspire action or a political man that's that's great too you know but yeah art art and imaginal they're almost synonymous for, for me they're they're the same thing and so y- you're gonna get the soul being touched at levels that and as Rilke said you need to change your life so I saw you saw the the, the the statue and this, this this picture of the statue and suddenly at the end of the poem you need to change your life um, and to me I, I, you know certain music it's it's all the same it it has that degree of impact um uh so absolutely either in an obvious way or a less obvious way and the question before uh, in this note um beauty could include grief for the for a depiction of harsh realities such as in war etc absolutely so again all these elements of the imaginal that we talk about oops <laughs> all these elements um this is medicine and i have to drink it so uh, um, uh, hmm. <laughs> 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 no, I'll do it in a minute. Um, uh, they're open-ended, so so typically, you know, we took like, the examples I gave for some of you, for for those who weren't in the in the lounge earlier. Let's take two, two or three of the elements of the imaginal the nose: love, eros, and uh, beauty. 
And very easily we can have, oh, love is like this. This is what looks like. It, it, love looks like. It manifests in this form or in this form. But you can get a very stern kind of love or a harsh kind of love or a fierce kind of love, um, etc. Th- those are faces of love that sometimes we forget. So that what happens with the imaginal is if we can hang out and again, not just believe what the mind is saying immediately, oh, this can't be right or it's threatening you. Well, this image it seems to want to kind of... Um, you know, uh, stab me or devour me or chop off my head or eat my intestines or whatever it is, that can't be love. Check it out. If, 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 you, if you, you know, there's no, f- you don't have to do anything, but if you linger a little bit, you'll start to notice, oh, that's weird. Uh, it's uh, this expression of, mm, you know, my intestines being eaten. Uh, it's a certain form of love that I haven't encountered before. Uh, and that you don't often hear it in pop songs and things like that. <laughs> but, um, but, but actually, you can feel it in your sense. So a lot of this has to do with sensitivity. It's just, it's like you say, oh, your eyes get used to the dark. It's like, oh, hold on, wait a minute. There is a kind of love here. So we start to, and then, and then the sense of what love means and can look like and the forms and expressions love can take grows. Same with eros, same with beauty. Same with all of them, in fact. So yes, beauty can be terrible, dark, violent, uh, etc., apocalyptic, grief-filled, or all of that. Yeah. A- actually, I would say um, grief, when we're relating to it in 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 a good way, in in a way that's helpful, has a kind of beauty in it. And there's something about the way the heart is holding and feeling that grief that allows um, grief to be beautiful. Actually, it's even possible with anger and things like that. So, um, but definitely, yes. Does that okay? Was that you, Ryan? No, it was someone else. Okay. Is that enough about that one? Um, uh, can you say more about bound? My image sometimes has clear boundary and sometimes dissolves or partly melts. When it's distinct, it's distinct. Is that the imagination before it becomes imaginal? Can a figure be sometimes imagination then evolving into imaginal and back in one sitting? That's your answer. Um, So in terms of this thing at the end, can a figure be sometimes um, imagination, in other words, non-imaginal image, or uh, then evolving into imaginal and back in one sitting? Absolutely. So again, an, an image or an object in the world is not inherently one thing or another. What makes it imaginal is the way of relating to it, uh, the way of looking at it, the way of uh, being with it. Yeah. So, um, in one thing, certainly, um, something could start off as complete fixation. For example, um, here's this person, and I'm really attracted to them, and whatever, and I want them, and I this or that or whatever. Um, and uh, it, it's possible, if I work well, that that craving and reification wrapped up there actually gets softened and uh, transmuted into eros. Um, and 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 the the sort of theatre-like quality, imaginal middle way, and then 
uh, and then the thing can become imaginal. Or, for example, I'm with something and it's already imaginal, and then I lose my energy body. Or I get a bit reified about it and it becomes a real thing. And then I can just sense some of the depth and dimensionality and beauty and mystery has gone out of it. So when I said it will happen, it absolutely happen. Eros will go to craving, you know, like a many times, you know, and there's degrees, okay, um, for example. Uh, so that will happen many times. Uh, uh, something that's imaginal becomes flat. Something that's flat uh, is is allowed to become imaginal again. No problem. The, the 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 task of practice is to just recognize that, expect it, recognize it. Ah, what does it need now? What does it need? But you you start to get quite um, sensitive to when images are flat images and when they're more fully imaginal, um, in in our sense of the word. So absolutely, and it's just a matter of okay, now what needs tweaking? What needs supporting? What what needs help? Help there, yeah. Um, in terms of the dissolving and melting, uh, how was it dissolving and melting, Warren? Was it that you were dissolving and melting into it, or it was just dissolving by itself, or was it going to that sort of essence of Aslan thing that you had talked about, or? I can repeat it. It's okay. Yeah, I can repeat it. Um, okay. And so, so Rowan's saying it just does. Okay. So that was one of my questions. So um, Rowan's saying there was an image, an imaginal figure, and it just dissolved into sort of water droplets. And then she added that was beautiful. And that just happened by itself. Um, and now here's the question. Was, was the beauty uh, a soulful beauty? Or was it just kind of, oh, that's pretty. It was soulful, beautiful. Okay. So I don't think, um, again, I don't think there's a right or wrong here. What you may want to be interested in is if that sort of thing happens all the time. Okay. No, it's not. But I, I'll say it to everyone. Yeah. If that sort of thing happens all the time, then you might you might be thinking, okay, well, let's sometimes see if I can keep it back as a, as a figure. Um but if it happens sometimes, you can just go with it, and then and then okay, the image has changed, yeah, and but the soul making is still there, and the beauty is still there, and and that's really fine, yeah. So again, your sense of the soulfulness at any time can lead you. Y you understand? So if it's soulful, if it feels soulful, if the energy body is involved, if you know it's it's touching the, the being and the soul, um, then just go with it, yeah. Um, it might be, uh, can I share about the Aslan thing? Is that? Yeah. So on another retreat, Rowan was sharing that she had an image of um, Aslan, who is the, the Lion King from The Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe. Is that correct? Yeah. And, uh, and, and sometimes in the meditation, what happened was that figure would kind of dissolve into a vast space, but that vast space was imbued by the character, the essence of Aslan. So this is... Uh, I think for now I would like to keep that as a sort of more rare option, um, but definitely I'm, I'm mentioning it as a p as possibility. It's still got 
Okay, it doesn't have, it's not a figure because the, the, the obvious form has gone, but it's still specific and it's still got the character of Asan. Um, so you're, you, there's still personhood and, and particularity, even though it's not in, in the figure itself. Do you, do you understand? So if those things are there, you're still in the realm of, of the imaginal. It's great. It's just the form has changed. Yeah. Um, and, and so the job with the water droplets might be the same. Oh, is this now the same essence? Can I, am I touched by, or is it a different one? And maybe it's a different one, and that's fine too. Um, different feel, yeah. So then, then the job would be, okay, can I tune to that and get the sense of the soul of that, and, and the practice would be the same, yeah. But, you know, those water droplets, they might then become alive in a way that water droplets are not usually alive for us, you know, etc. Does that answer? Yeah. Um. Yeah, very good. So the question is, is um, is it worth staying with a flat image uh, and waiting for it to become imaginal or hoping or working for it to become imaginal or, or should you just wait for something that's obviously more imaginal? Um, experiment, you know. Uh, yeah, I, d I, I don't think anything other than experimenting. Would, would, would you need to kind of taste these things for yourself and taste what's possible and, and discover for yourself what's possible. Um, I, I guess there's... You know, there's a lot of stuff that moves through the mind that that's just obviously just you know flotsam and jetsam of the mind. But some of that, you know, uh, and as a, as a technique, you know, sometimes maybe as a last resort technique. But sometimes, you know, what passes through as a daydream, weirdly, you know, you might be trying to be with your breath, and then this daydream comes, and it feels like oh, that's just a waste of time, and then you start lingering with it, and and it actually can become imaginal. So. It's hard to tell in advance sometimes, but the m the more you do this, the more you'll get a feel of the potential of of, of something. Is that okay? Yes, good. Uh, no, I dropped some. Um, working working with an image, I want to know more. About about it. This desire creates, discovers more details, texture, qualities of its particular face and manifestation. This particularity and its intricacy is meaningful, but sometimes ends up defining the image more and more, closing dimensionality and unfathomability. Still, the particular appearance feels precious. Could you say something about this balance, how to hold both? Hmm. I guess I, I wouldn't be, from the beginning, just convinced that it's necessarily the intricacy and the particularity per se that needs to somehow close the image um, or define it. Uh, does, does whoever wrote this want to say a bit more? Or not you don't have to, but... Um, 
an. Yeah, I guess I, I, I would be wondering more about th how the mind is then focusing on those particulars and intricacies. So again, you know, um, let's let's just imagine I had a visual image, and maybe it's um, maybe it's a gate that opens, and and I'm somehow moved by this gate. I don't even understand. There's something beautiful beautiful about this threshold and these gates. Um, and then, as I'm with the image, maybe the gates have those kind of, uh, you know, filigree designs in them. What are they called? You know, the yeah, you know. Um, and it's like wow, like you get in some mosques and stuff like that. Um, uh, and it's like wow, that's that's really uh, beautiful. Um, the question really is whether whether the filigree itself feels soul-making or feels like a, a, a relevant, a soulfully relevant aspect of the image. So really what I want to, s what I want to navigate within an image, images start getting complex and what I want to navigate towards is what feels, what feels soulful and soul-making. Everything else is kind of um, uh, secondary. So sometimes, especially if you're not used to working with the imagination per se a lot sometimes the imagination is v is really not very vivid and sometimes it's extraordinarily vivid like sometimes you could close your eyes and see every little hair on someone's chin for example now it might be that seeing those hairs uh, is soul making for whatever reason but it might just be yeah okay it's it's visually vivid but so what so you have to kind of gauge uh, what feels soul-making at any time, and that's where the that's what you kind of want to gravitate towards and linger with and resonate with. But it might also be that the way that I start to pay attention to some element in an image or some particular particularity of an image is is uh, um, for forgetting some of the some of the elements of the imaginal, some of the nodes, or it's a bit too. I'm startled by the visual detail and I just kind of go like that and then it becomes a kind of visualization exercise or a concentration exercise um, or it may be that in my relationship with it I'm it's a bit too craving I now want something oh yes that now we're getting somewhere and, and uh, some, so there's something in in more in the subject pole rather than the object pole that's um, that's causing it to l become flat a bit yeah. Okay. Um. I often encounter images of a specific moment which has a quality of timelessness but also encapsulates temporal circumstances. For example, to Two men drinking sake on a porch at night. Very nice. And, and, <laughs> and I know that when they were young, they had some strong karmatic? Karmic. Karmic connection? Karmic connection. Uh, that they haven't seen each other for many years and that something decisive is about to happen between them. Would you say such images have less soul-making potential? How to work skillfully with the narrative element which opens as I draw nearer such an image?
Should such a situation be somehow personified so I can feel its love for me, for instance? Um, yeah, this is this is also important. So, uh, you know, it's uh, so I think I think some years ago I uh, who helped me with the words um, wanting to make the point this: what's the difference between an image and a, and a usual kind of uh, an imaginal image and the usual? And and there's this thing about timelessness. And so I, I made the words, okay, an iconic image versus a narrative image. A narrative image is, uh, you know, I'm going to do this, or this person does this, and then they do that, and then I'm going to do this, and then there's a, there's a narrative. And usually it goes towards either some great catastrophe or some great uh, triumph, happily ever after, etc. Um, so wanting wanting to kind of draw that distinction to to point out actually when we're less interested in that narrative way that the mind kind of uses its imagination, which can very often be kind of like papancha, you know, like this kind of just hoping, etc. And and more interested in this kind of eternal that an image has and and this this timeless quality to it, or it's always happening. However. Um, what you often get is images with uh, what I call it is a narrative backstory. Uh, so this is sounds like what what's here. It's like there's a scene, two guys on a porch slowly getting drunk together. Maybe I'm changing, <laughs> drinking sake together. So, um, um, uh, but there's a there's a kind of implicit backstory. That's fine. You know, it's no, it's part of in a way it's. Let's not mix things, but it's kind of a sort of part of the concertina, you know. Maybe let's let's not use that word because it'll confuse things. But but that kind of narrative backdrop is I understand something about what's already taken place or or how it fits in 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 something. It's not it's not a problem. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. So what Karen's saying is, um, what's that's kind of what I meant. Yeah, that I think if we're understanding. So what's specific about this image is that it happens at this point after many years they haven't seen each other with the history and before something else is going to happen that's quite charged. So uh, it it the image is implicitly understood in an in a narrative context. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. So the image is pregnant with this background narrative. Yeah? It's contained in it. Yeah. Um but it still has this quality of timelessness to it. And so no no problem. You know, that that will happen quite a lot. Yeah, no problem at all. And should um <coughs> should such a situation be somehow personified so I can feel its love for me for instance, I wouldn't rush for something like that. Something's happening there. If if it feels there's some kind of soulful thing here, l linger with it and just you know you don't have to rush to oh okay but where's node number three with the love and all that you know yeah yeah. 
Yeah. But you write fiction, right? Yeah. So, um, <coughs> so this is the kind of thing that I was alluding to. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know, absolutely. And, and it may be that, you know, your great masterpiece novel comes out of something like this. One, no, seriously, it's wonderful. Um, but uh, when we're deliberately practicing imaginally, then we have a slightly different intention and we want to be guided, we want to be navigated by this, uh, you know, the compass of what feels soul-making. It feels like, oh, if I get too much more into the narrative, that's what I'm focusing on um, or interested in, then, then I feel it go flat a little bit. So, okay, what do I need to do? And sometimes it's just, okay, just that moment, just just that. And um, and what aspects of that moment, which is already quite a complex moment, you know, um, uh, what aspects of that, I need to feel the resonances and so much is about attuning, attune to the resonance and then just linger with those, with those particular resonances. So it's almost like just saying, put, put the brake on for now and just ho hover here. Um, you know, like like a helicopter or a hummingbird or something, just ho yeah, like a hummingbird drinking. You know, it's just hovering right there, right, right there. And there's other flowers, there's other you know, but right here, this is where the nectar is. This is where the the soul making nectar is, and I hover with that. Yeah. Um, and another time, you can have a very different intention, which is now is my writing time, or I'm about to go to my writing desk or whatever, and let's just play and see and get the sense of what the story is. Yeah. Um, and sometimes the, the 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 it's a bit like when we were talking about the samadhi and that that bird that eagle you know the 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 shift is so subtle that that kind of leans it one way changes your direction one way or another and changes actually the whole tenor and the whole feel of what what, what then unfolds really really sometimes really subtle so we have to get quite subtle at this kind of really uh, fine attunement uh, to to where the nectar is you know in any moment. Um, uh, I have noticed that when working with an erotic beloved other, sometimes the image of self gets caught up in the soul-making dynamic, and other times it shrinks and solidifies and feels unworthy. In these moments, I have made the felt sense of unworthiness primary, giving it the most attention with my energy body and offering warm meta. This is soothing, but I find it takes me out of relationship with the imaginal other. Suggestions for other ways of working with this, ways of igniting certain nodes that keep the tuners and soul-making with that specific beloved other alive. Um, P.S. Upon writing, this, I am thinking it would be interesting to focus on the loving being loved and humility nodes. Can I sense the image's love for me? I will try. Um, yes, very good. You've answered it. Um, so, uh, s the, the, the again, we're either very in our culture, in some way or another, most of us have been or still are pretty wounded in terms of the sense of self. Or if we're not wounded, we're limited by the, cult the cultural view of the sense of self. So um, what can often happen is some kind of uh, yeah, shame or unworthiness is, is a common feeling in life for, for many people or in relationship and in practice as well and in relation to, to an imaginal other. Sometimes uh, 
um, yeah, so focusing on the node of, of the element of love, loving and being loved would be really, really helpful. Um, in particular, you know, sometimes I would suggest to, to some people with this kind of question, um, well, what does the image do in response to your feeling of unworthiness? How, how does the image relate to that unworthiness? So sure, you can, actually this is fine, it's like stop, do some metta, bathe in warmth, let go of the image, etc. But sometimes, um, you know, an image again loves us in, in specific ways that we don't yet know how to love ourselves in those ways. Or sees us with eyes that we don't yet know how to see ourselves with. And so it might be, I feel unworthy, I feel shame, I feel like, actually I feel like I can't bear being looked at by this image. The image is gazing at me and it's just too much. Well, maybe I say to the Why does this thing keep cutting out? Huh? It's my fault, yeah? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Didn't Catherine say something about blame? Um, <laughs> um, anyway. Um, I'm uh, sure it is my fault. Um, where was I? <laughs> where was I? <laughs> uh, oh yes. So um, I can actually bring my unworthiness, my sense of unworthiness, deliberately to the image, or my sense of I actually can't bear your gaze. I feel I I I crumble in shame, or I want to hide, or I want to bury my head, or or, or whatever it is. And I say, I might say to the image, you might say to the image, well, th you know, you look at me like that, and I have a feeling it's good for me, but I just can't handle it, um, or I just want to run away and hide, or whatever it is, and see what it, what its advice is. Yeah. So the image embodies soul wisdom and soul gaze and soul love in ways that are beyond uh, what we consciously know. Yeah, so that would be another option, is is doing that, something like that. Oops. Um. <coughs> so it's 5.34. Should we do a few more? Is this okay? Yeah. Any suggestions or things to be aware of when I've done imaginal work with someone in my life Upon, upon engaging with the real person. So far I've only encountered very healing effects on relationships or an intuitive knowing of the difference b between the imaginal figure and the real. But it can still make me nervous. Uh, yeah. I don't know if nervous is, is I wouldn't encourage this, in a, but, but care with this. So we, we haven't actually put out teachings overtly yet about uh, I'm not sure who wrote this, but do you mean, I'm wondering if they mean actually working in real time with the other person, e each other becoming image for each other in real time. No, no, okay.
Yeah. Um, thank you. So Sabra saying, uh, not talking so much about what I just alluded to, which we haven't really taught yet, where uh, uh, two people are, are practicing in real time, where they're each becoming image for each other and, and sharing that and speaking that. And, and that's a whole other level of practice, which I wouldn't recommend um, at this point, I think, generally. Um, because it gets it can get supercharged with all kinds of eros flying around and all kinds of consequences that sometimes are a little difficult to control, etc. Um, but it, but it's got tremendous potential as a practice, and maybe at some point we'll put out more clear teachings about that. But um, but Sabre's talking about more like when someone who's a real per an actual person um, has also become an imaginal figure, and one's working with that image privately, yeah, and, and should one be nervous about that or take care? Um, uh, yes, um, but I tend to be, at this point, m more trusting and less suspicious of that than I guess a lot of people would, would be, you know, who might hear about that as a, as a way of practicing. Um, Particularly if we talk about all these other elements, humility, particularly the non-reification thing, um, the imaginal middle way, the theater-like quality, um, uh, the even just the energy body, all this is going to uh, keep it from being a rarefied, fixated kind of craving fest uh, that then you know imp impacts the relationship um, in that way. Uh, I I might even go further and say that to have a really deep human relationship, uh, even if the other person is dead or doesn't know that you're they're an imaginal figure for you, um, it, it, it has to involve the imaginal dimension. So that would be a, a shift from what we tend to think the, the real thing, the human, and the, and the imaginal is some, some other non-real thing. But I I think more and more that a really deep connection with another, when we really love another and value them and care for them, they're image for us, you know, and but we, ha we have to know how to, how to relate to that and how to handle it. And so, but if we take care of the elements uh, and, and, and the sensitivity and practice and all that, I don't think it will be a problem. And actually I think the opposite, um, that where sometimes these people we're sort of forced into that kind of practice in relation to a person because they're an object of craving and reified and, and I can't kind of get over that. And then as I, as I actually let them become more image, in other words, let them become more imaginal rather than less imaginal and more so-called real, um, as, as I let them uh, become more imaginal, let it fill out and really work with that, you know, with the fullness of my being and everything that we've talked about, they gain dimensionality and amplitude and all th the pressure comes off, I need this or that to happen or, or the real, you know. So it sounds like that's your experience. And I would say that's exactly what I would expect. Would I give that instruction to absolutely everyone? No, because I don't think some people are ready for that yet. And they can't, they, they, they don't have enough wherewithal practice wise to, to navigate that. Um, but it is absolutely possible. Sometimes it might feel a little hairy, like if there's a lot of craving or 
desire for someone or something, it can get a little bit like, this is really difficult, but it can be done, no, no question about it. Um, and in, in a way, as you say, it can be very, very healing. And I would say, again, just to repeat, I, is, there, is, there not, is that not the fullness of, a human, of, of human relating and who we are, you know, that we have these other dimensions, if you like, but they're very different than how we usually think about them. Yeah. A little bit more. One more. Um, I was with the image of a gray-haired, kindly older woman who at first embodied sisterly and then more maternal qualities. This fierce yet tender, unconditional acceptance and love. After a while, I began to feel the strong stirrings of sexual desire, maybe not directly towards her, but certainly in relation to her. This freaked me out, so I started to instead view her as a lover to avoid any Freudian monkey business. I think we have a, a title for our next retreat. <laughs> yeah, post Radiant Monkey Business. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, I, I have a sense all three women, older sister, mother, lover, are the same imaginal image, and yet I also feel they are distinctly different. Could this be the concertina node? Or is this one image embodying all these qualities? I don't know, uh, in terms of that bit of the question. Um, I think what's important, I think what's important is experimenting and also what's important I- in relation to where is the question coming from. In other words, by itself, um, it may not be that important whether they're one image or three images. You could try it one way, you could try it another. It may be just hanging out with that figure or those figures, and in time it gets clear whether they're one or three, or both one and three, or, or whatever. I just wonder... Uh, I wonder if the question is coming a little bit out of the apprehension about Freudian monkey business. And if so, then that's where I would put the attention um, and say, don't don't worry about it. Look, Freud's been dead a long time. It's like, um, uh, so the, this, this kind of thing, uh, this kind of, it's like, I, I've seen it and heard it so, so much. It's, it's, it's just not, um, Again, it can feel to the, the 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 mind that's been taught certain things. It can feel like that's taboo. That's not okay. That's weird. Maybe it's going to make me even more weird than I am already, uh, um, etc. 
uh, maybe people will be in danger around me. I don't think any of this is is really, uh, you know, fears that are that are really w worth being afraid of. Um, uh, if again, if we if we can just introduce a little bit of trust, even for a few minutes, and um, you know, the, the the mother in the image is not is not my mother. You understand? It's it may look like my mother. It may even be a m a motherly image, but it's not necessarily uh, my my mother. And we again we tend to reduce everything to sort of a certain kind of psychology, um, very based on you know family dynamics in infancy. And it's great. And there's so much good work starting with Freud and all, all that and everything that came out of that. Um, but it, but it is quite limiting, and once we get into these kind of practices, we're really uh, stretching and, and 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 blowing certain things uh, open. So, um, I don't know. Does the person want to say anything more? You don't have to, of course. But um, but I, I would just wonder whether the the question about whether they're one and the same is actually being a little bit uh, <coughs> gaining gaining its charge and momentum from, from a kind of apprehension as much as anything. So if you do this kind of practice enough, you're going to at some point encounter something that's pretty weird uh, by conventional standards. Um, some people get more kind of weird weird stuff than others and that's fine there's differences in personality but one also has to check am i <coughs> am i constraining am i just shutting out certain possibilities so it's not to say now come on i want to hear some really weird stuff um it, it it's it's more like uh, again this question am i am i getting in the way of something here and and you know it's not to steamroll over my fear but could i maybe just say all right well i'm gonna play with this image for two minutes and just give it enough trust. Maybe there's something here. And and maybe again I can feel, yeah, it's weird, okay. Um, and I can sense my apprehension, but there's also something soul making in it. And and if I can if I can just attune to that and just, just decide just a little bit of trust or just two minutes of trust um, and tune to the soul making and, and work in the ways that we've talked about then what seems really weird or pathological or, or whatever um, gets redeemed, gets made, gets made sacred. Yeah, it might stay very weird to the conventional point of view, but uh, you you start to get more and more of a sense of trust of these things. Yeah. Um, well, look, it's five forty-seven. There's one more. I don't know what it says, but um, should we? We should probably stop huh? or. What? Um, okay. There are three images that seem related and are arising together. I have played with treating each image individually. Oh, this is maybe related. Each individual, each image individually, but the experience is much richer and deeper when taken as if forming a three-part harmony. The energy body feels more full and alive. One of the images is visual, the other are or auditory. Is this an example of the concertina element coming alive? Um, 
Maybe, but not necessarily. It may just be a three-part image. Um, and again, I would trust the you know the sense of where the energy body feels alive and where it feels more soulful, etc. Um, the concertina thing is as much to say, ah, uh, it's part of the sense of the pregnancy of 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 an image that there's this kind of in in different ways with images there's a sense of more more possibility more uh, othernesses more beyonds etc so the concertina is is is, is in a way a, a sort of pregnant sense of more possibility but it's also at the same time the concertina is 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 a kind of sense of um this is not the reality this is not this this image is not the one image it's not the only image that can be presented and so it's part of the kind of <coughs> loosening and non-fixating uh, attitude that, that, that's there um, but it sounds like this is, is maybe more like th there's an image involving three figures and they're in a certain kind of relation and uh, say harmony with e with each other and that's the image so it sounds to me at least so yeah Okay, very good. Uh, thank you. Let's um, just sit quietly for a minute before tea. <coughs> don't remember anything of the particulars of what we've said today, maybe just this is actually a phrase from a Dzogchen teaching, trust your experience but keep refining your view. So it applies to emptiness teachings but it also applies to the imaginal. Trust your experience, even if it feels like mm, this isn't quite, or it's a bit different. Um, trust your experience and, and let your view refine with all this richness of teaching and sophistication and discrimination. So trust, get in, get get your hands dirty, play, and trust, and refine in time. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.